hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Boys and girls, it's that time again. Bar Down Breakdown is here, my friends. Something else. I was trying to do like a rhyming poem. I figured we could use a poem this time, but I didn't. Why don't it you didn't actually prepare out. those before you go on the air and start <laughs> trying to do it like off the fly or on the fly? Preparation is not my uh, my strong suit. It never has been, but uh, but that's okay. So, um, but let's jump right into it. Um, free agency is on the horizon. Well, it's not on the horizon. It's here. Uh, by the time this episode drops, uh, we'll have been, you know, far into it and it'll probably, um, kind of date us a bit, but that's okay. There's a bunch of cool stuff to talk about as we are, uh, you know, Islanders fans, not an Islanders podcast, but Islanders fans, we, uh, should first mention, uh, our, uh, one of our favorite Islanders, uh, Thomas Grice, uh, is gone. He signed uh, a two-year deal with the Detroit Red Wings, and uh, it's kind of sad to say goodbye because, you know, of the presence Grice had, uh, you know, the the kind of presence he had in the locker room and, uh, you know, all of the the great moments that he gave to us. So uh, how are you feeling about Grice? I know you you got to meet him personally. Uh, I heard he's just the coolest guy. So, uh, you know, give me some insight, man. Yeah, it definitely was a sad day, but at the same time, you you, you kind of knew it was coming, and you just you know were hoping that he landed somewhere and he got like a a few year deal out of it, and he did. So yeah, it, it's great that he got that opportunity, and you know, being with Detroit where they're you know going through some tough years, I I think that he could be that solid like veteran presence in the locker room and he is cool as ice like he handles pressure better than most goalies do like yeah he he's never gets flustered he's just totally uh totally a, a professional and it it's it's great to see that he landed somewhere that's going to appreciate him of course and you know sure. he's back with Franz Nielsen um you know, so he he does have that connection as well, and I I think he's gonna flourish there. It, it's sad to see him go, but you know the direction the team is going. You know, we were really just banking on getting the white whale over here, Sorokin, and you know part of getting him here was getting Varlamov here, and you know they're they're good friends, so you know I think that's the direction the team wants to head in, especially since everything I hear is. Uh, He's the real deal. So, yeah. So, and you have uh, been expressing a, a an interesting theory that uh, you know, with the Islanders signing of Corey Schneider, that maybe they're looking to, um, you know, to move um, Varley. So, uh, do you really think that's a possibility? You think that's something that could be coming down the pipe? 
I do. I, I don't know if, if it will happen because, you know, at the end of the day, Sorokin has never played an NHL game. Yep. So it, it would be a, a little bit of a gamble. But if if all the scouting reports and like what he's done in the KHL is true, he he is a number one goalie. And yeah. Varlamov is a number one goalie as well. And it wouldn't mm-hmm. really even be like a one a one B like we would necessarily have two two number one goalies. Sure. Which is is tough to to kind of like stomach when you think about how much Varlamov is making. Yeah. And he's really only going to play like half the amount of games that you would expect him to play. So I guess I guess the question not to cut you off, but so what what do you think the Islanders could get for Varley, you know, for Dude, a team that really, we're, really we're, needs we're not one in goal. the position of getting anything. I think that's what Islander fans need to realize. Like we are in cap trouble. Like we, we need to sign Matt Barzell and yeah. it's not going to be cheap. Mm-hmm. So honestly, at this point, like if we get a prospect or some, some draft picks that can maybe help us unload some of these veterans that are on like, the tail end of these long contracts. Yeah. Maybe that's what we need to do and not really think like, Oh, what are we going to get in return? I don't know if we're going to get anything in return other than, you know, just losing that cap. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting things you can try to look at. So, um, you know, Lou Lamariello pretty much came out and said that, um, you know, it was heartbreaking for the Islanders to end up moving Taves, but they really do believe in Dobson. And that kind of makes you think, you know, they, they sign, you know, Sebastian Aho, 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 Aho. Yep. Aho. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it was a long A or a short A. I didn't know that, but <laughs> so, but you know, you, you sign him, you, you put confidence in Dobson, you know, maybe this is just a sign that like, who knows, maybe, Maybe in the next coming days, you end up seeing, you know, a pullet getting moved. I mean, you know, you, you just really don't know. I think you know, that one's more of a stretch. I wouldn't I, rule it out, but I think it's more of a stretch. I think, I, yeah, I think we are trying to load up draft picks so that we can unload like a boy Chuck or a Letty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That seems more realistic to me because yep. Pullock is in like his prime. Agreed. And Agreed. I, I think that he has more that he brings to the table than Devontae's mm-hmm. like Devontae's is a great offensive defenseman and has yes. like a rocket of a shot. And like he, he definitely is a, a playmaker defenseman, but you know, in these past playoffs, man, there was a few games where he just got like crossed up and his ankles broken. Yeah, you're right. So you're right. <laughs> like, you know, he, he he definitely is a solid pickup. Like, I think he's going to be a huge part of why Colorado is successful moving forward. But I think so. Yeah, it, it definitely uh, comes down to just cap. And like they they must have been really far off when they started doing like initial negotiations. And like, that's mm-hmm. why he went to arbitration. Yep. Yeah. It's like he thinks he's worth a certain amount of money and the Islanders don't. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think uh, we'll, we'll we'll see some more, you know, household names being moved and maybe not so much in return. And yeah, honestly, 
I hate to say it. Like, I know Corey Snyder had like a couple of tough years with the Devils, and like, it yeah, was, it was it was tough. But look at what you know we we did with Robert Leonard. Like, You're honestly, right. look look at what we did with Thomas Grice. Like, Thomas Grice <laughs> was a glorified backup his whole entire career. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And then, you know, he, he goes and has an unbelievable year, him and Leonard. And then, like, even this past year wasn't as good as the year prior. He still, you know, Grice still had a solid year. And, and Varley turned it around. Like, Varley came into the Islanders organization not really highly, uh, highly, I guess, praised throughout the NHL. Yeah, sought like, after. Sure, sought yeah. after. Like mm-hmm. no one really was fighting to get uh, Verlamov. Like no one was, but yeah, you know, working with our goalie gurus and our goal- goalie coaches, man. Like, I-, I think they're the real deal, and they can really help, you know, turn some guys' careers around. And maybe that happens with Snyder. Maybe he gets back to what he used to be. Uh huh. I mean, it would be really super cool to see, and uh, and on the um, cheap. So. Yeah. And on the cheap. Yeah. On the cheap. And then the other thing I just want to bring up before we, uh, uh, lead into our, uh, our episode with, um, uh, with Jacob from dear youth, I, I, you know, I, I just have to bring up Henrik Lundqvist. I mean, uh, you know, the Islanders and the Rangers have, you know, storied rivalry, but, uh, Lundqvist is just one of those guys that, uh, it, it almost like it almost broke my heart. You know, my it was weird seeing him in a Capitals jersey. And, like when and he I did can't that imagine. Knockout. Yeah, and I, and I just I can't imagine how Rangers fans feel. I mean, like, especially since, you know, Hank really got kind of the shit end of the stick. I mean, you know, he got, yeah, he's getting a little bit older. And, um, you know, the, the man played his heart out, you know, got all the way to the cup only to have, you know, the, the Kings dash his dreams. And then uh, from there, he just, you know, he, he got outplayed and and you know spent a lot of the time riding the pine which is a bummer but he was just like an institution and just seeing him yeah in a caps jersey it's like the first time you saw tom brady in a in in a a bucks jersey man it's just uh very very weird weird to Um, see i I think i think this is just going to be an interesting off season especially since everyone was predicting for the cap to go up and then, like, with COVID, the cap kind of froze, and now teams are like, wait, we were relying on that. Like, now we're in real, you know, cap cap trouble. So yeah. you, you're going to see a lot of teams looking a little different, and sometimes that's cool. Sometimes guys just need a fresh start somewhere, and that's probably why Taylor Hall was like, you know what, I'll take a one-year deal for $8 million and play with Buffalo. Like, maybe playing with Eichel, gets me back into like that superstar conversation because you know he was kind of rotten away in Arizona rotten away in the desert and he wasn't really like a household name like he used to be yeah sure so I I think we're gonna see a a lot more of that moving forward and you know it's always fun always it always always a fun time of year always is a fun time of year so uh don't do what I do and uh and and panic and call people's names what their names are not. Um, Jared Zuckerman is our guest coming up. I panicked and was like, J, 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 J. And for some reason I said uh, Jacob. So that's not his name. Although maybe that's like uh, a name that he might have somewhere down the, down the pipe. If he's got, you know, 
some cool shit going on like he's a superhero, but he might be a superhero. If you've listened to Dear Youth, you'll know that that band is full of superheroes. Their new record uh, is something of lore, and I think it's going to be the next big pop-punk release of 2020. I think, um, you know, when it all comes down to it in the next couple of years, we're going to look back on this release when, you know, they're making their next release on Hopeless or Fearless or some huge label, and uh, we're going to be really, really fortunate to have had this conversation with jared he's super cool dude um you know he's he's uh he's moroccan and he moved to montreal and he has lived there and he's it's just awesome man you know listening to how passionate he is about the the canadians and his gripes that he has with the organization but you can tell you know lifelong hockey fan uh we get to talk about uh heirloom we get to talk you know about their new record and uh what went into creating it and uh, their process. Such cool stuff. Really, really excited to uh, share this with you guys. So I'm going to stop babbling. You go ahead and enjoy our interview with Jared Zuckerman from Dear Youth. And we'll see you on the other side. going on guys we're back bar down breakdown episode number 86 if you can believe that 86 episodes of this nonsense and we are here with the main man jared from dear youth what's up, what's up? Uh, dude it's so great to have you real quick um dear youth has their debut album coming out on the 23rd called heirloom uh, through Anchor 84 Records, I've uh, listened to a bunch of the singles off of it, and uh, it is super, super awesome. So we're really, really pumped uh, for that record to come out and to chat with you a little bit about hockey and music and all that cool stuff. So uh, without further ado, what's going on, man? How was uh, how has your October been? Have you been following free agency? What's uh, you know what what's got you going? Uh, what's up, uh, boys? Thank you so much for having me. Um, just started getting into the, the podcast. Really love what you guys do. Um, October's been a bit quiet. 
for me, I mean, obviously, uh, busy, busy with work uh, out, out here in Montreal, uh, Montreal, Canada. So we're here um, right now through the last uh, 15 days into October. Um, we're, we're still under lockdown, unfortunately. So since the first, uh, they kind of told everybody that they, they have to limit their, their, their social contact. Um, they close like gyms and restaurants and stuff. Those are all, uh, running, uh, restaurants running through takeout. So, um, I'm here myself been just working from home, been, uh, been following a bit into the, into the free agency. I know today the have signed uh, Tyler Toffoli, which I'm pretty, pretty happy about. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a big signing for sure. I mean, obviously we would have we'd have loved to get uh, Taylor Hall, um, but you know, kind of surprised everybody went to Buffalo, uh, which was interesting. Um, but other than that, man, um, trying to trying to keep up with hockey. But uh, I don't know, man. I've I've got some some things to get off my chest with with the Habs because I'm not too happy with uh, just like our overall like development as as a franchise. I feel like we've made a lot of mistakes in the last in the last few years and. I don't know. I'm starting to, you know, be, lose interest. Uh, the big fear of, of management is when is when fans not lose interest, but just they don't care anymore. They become apathetic to yeah. to to the team. And kind of, I'd be 100 percent honest in telling you guys, like this kind of this whole year, I just haven't haven't been following as much hockey as I have in the past, just because sick of, of buying into what they're selling. You know? No, I I, I get it, and that's. Um... You know, that's something that, you know, I, Mikey and I being big Islanders fans is something that's plagued our org- organization Absolutely. for for a long time, yeah. you know, um, you know, especially through the, you know, through the years with the, <laughs> with the bogus owner and, and just yeah. perennially being, uh, um, you know, far, far from a contender, you know, it, it's yeah. great now that the Islanders have been playing meaningful hockey, but I, I, I'm absolutely on board with you there. It, it can yeah. be really, really rough, you know, to, you know, watch your team just kind of spoil and, and spin the drain. But, um, <clears throat> but I'm sure you must have, you know, some memories, of uh, you know, of, of, you know, Montreal and their, in their heyday. And, and even, you know, th- those teams that put together a really strong run and had a contingency of great players. So yeah. I guess if, let's cycle it back because we can talk yeah. about the current state of the Canadians, but to talk about right. happier times, um, of course, you know, what, what would you say your first memory of, uh, you know, of, of seeing the Canadians, you yeah. know, maybe seeing them live? What was your first memory? Uh, what can you what what can you tell us about that in detail about about, you know, how that was for you? Absolutely. Um, I would say my first memory of, of watching the, the Canadians, the Habs play. Uh, for those who don't know, the Canadians nickname is Habs, which stands for Habitant. Um, if you look at the Canadians logo, the C and the H, a lot of people think the H actually stands for ha- for Habs, which it doesn't. It stands for it stands for hockey. Um, Habitant just means the 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 people that dwell that live in in a given area. Um, so um, my first memory would probably be my grandfather when I was probably like three or four, just yelling at the TV, like throwing everything in front of him, uh, just at the TV, remotes, beers, just like losing it. Uh, he was a he was a an avid Canadians uh, fan. Uh, he came from from Morocco, and uh, he's a huge soccer player as as well. But obviously, soccer isn't isn't the the sport of our of our country or our city. Um, it's it's really the, the Canadians. So I remember watching games with him. Um, I was I was three years old when the Canadians last won the cup in '93. So I, I don't really remember much of, of that team. I mean, obviously, we hear all the all the stories of, of that run, that famous, famous run with Patrick Waugh in 93. 
Um, but no, uh, my first memory are players like Brian Savage, uh, Shane Corson, Saku Koivu, oh, yeah. um, Saku Koivu, like legends, legends that people still talk about. Obviously, you know, we could talk about the the previous history, guys like uh, Jean Beliveau, Guy Lafleur, the Rocket. Um, but uh, and actually, we just heard Guy Lafleur has has cancer, which is which is pretty sad. Yeah. Uh, his cancer had come back. Um, but more on positive note, man, just just going to games as a kid, my parents. Um, never, my father never, we never were able to afford season tickets, obviously, just because up until the last few years, every, every single season had been sold out for, for months and, uh, excuse me, for years and years. Um, so, but we still had connections and whatnot. So I get to go to two, three games a season, which I was, you know, pretty, pretty lucky to do as a kid growing up in Montreal. Um, and, and yeah, man, just, just been following the team, uh, ever since, ever since I could remember. That's, that's awesome. And w- one of the things that I've, uh, I've always heard, you know, the lore about, you know, the Canadians, you know, fan base and franchise and the Bell Center itself is that, um, you know, so for for Americans, probably, you know, the the most I'm not going to say important, but the most popular sport is probably the NFL. And, um, you know, like getting season tickets for the NFL, you know, you end up getting on uh, a tremendous waiting list. And I've heard that a lot is the same for the Canadians, yeah. you know, yeah. like trying to get season tickets is like almost is nearly impossible. Right. Um, so is that, is that like, has that always been true? Does that continue to be true even now? Yes, of course. Um, I would say ever since they, uh, the Molson, the Molson family, if you're familiar with the Molson family, they're, they're famous for their, their beer, obviously, mm-hmm. um, and other things, um, that I won't get into. Uh, but yeah, so they, uh, when they repurchased the team from George Gillette, uh, don't ask me which year it was in the mid two thousands, I would say when the Molsons, uh, repurchased the team, cause they were the, the owners for many, many years, um, uh, during the, the, the glory years of the team, but then they had sold the team to the Gillette family. Um, but when the Gillettes actually owned the team, um, in the, there was, a, again, a lot of, a lot of apathy in the city. I'm talking mid two thousands, early two thousands, where, um, the games weren't selling out. And from a business perspective, the team wasn't doing well. And then when the Molsons took, took it back over and, uh, we started bringing in, you know, that's when like Theodore, uh, well, a little bit after, but when we drafted Carrie Price, um, and you know, the newer generation started to, to come to fruition. Um, that's when this, the team started to, to do well, uh, financially. And that's where it was like practically impossible to, to get season tickets up until I would say about two years ago, uh, where you're trading around, uh, trading guys like, like PK Subban and people that would put butts in the seats, mm-hmm. uh, started to leave town. Now they will never admit it, uh, because they're, they're trying to hide it obviously. But uh, from what I heard, you could, you could walk up to the, um, to the box office and within the last say two years and, and get tickets on game day. So you wouldn't even have to go to a scalper and pay, pay over sticker to be able to uh, be able to get into the building, which you have to do um, for, for many years. So yeah, I think the, I think the media and people are kind of staying away from, from kind of saying the elephant in the room, which is the team is, hasn't been doing as well. I mean, this season they're exciting. Last season they were exciting too. They were exciting too, but not not nowhere near the pandemonium that it once was. Uh, going back and you know, let's say you call it the last better part of the last ten years. Yeah, and you know, some sometimes it it, it kind of stinks to see that happen to your fan base, but at yeah. the same time, like selfishly, you got to be kind of excited that you can just 
go and get tickets if you want to catch a game, <laughs> you know, because absolutely when I was living in Albany, you know, Albany is probably what, three and a half, four hours yeah. south, like directly south of Montreal. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was working at a restaurant right off of the, the throughway off of 87 there. And I would always see Montreal Canadian fans come in mm. as they were driving down to New York to catch games because it was actually right. cheaper for them to absolutely go drive to New York, get a hotel and go to a game there than it was to try to go to a game in Montreal. Yeah. Which very, always blew my mind. True. Cause it, it happened all the time. Like yeah. every, any given season, I, you know, any given weekend, I would see a couple of Canadian fans stop in for mm-hmm. lunch on their way down to New York. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think I, from what I can remember when I was watching games on, on TV, uh, when fans used to actually be in, in the building, which is look, which looks so foreign now when you watch a game, it's almost like normal Nazi fans, which is very sad. Yeah. Uh, but thinking back, um, I would see so many Canadians uh, fans uh, that would travel to Long Island to watch the the Canadians play uh, the Islanders. Like so you would tell when the Canadians would score, there'd be just as many fans that would jump up and scream. Um, so. Absolutely. Uh, just to touch on on what you said as well, with with kind of like the, you know, the team or or I should say the fans kind of you know feeling oh, okay now we could actually get in. You know, maybe people that don't necessarily have as much privilege to, to be able to go to a game are now able to, which is which is obviously great. But at the same time, I'm coming from the perspective, and maybe this is a bit selfish of me, but it's like listen, like you know, the ownership kind of deserves for people not to show up if if they're not going to actually try to put a team on the ice that that's going to to sell if you will you know and and what i mean by that is like sure like they're looking for pieces that that are going to put butts in seats like a carry price for example um you'll never see a saturday night game where carry price is, is not in, in the nets um but at the same time it's like maybe it's time that we take a step back and and not necessarily care so much about the bottom line and be open and honest with the fans and say, listen, like the next couple of years, we're going to suck. And sure, maybe everybody can can come to a game for a decent price. But after that, you know, we'll, we'll be well in our way. Um, and that's something that I find our ownership just doesn't want to, to, the pull, to pull the trigger on. You know, I think they're very much content. It's a business, 100%. Uh, I totally understand that. But I think uh, if we removed ourselves from, from the business minds of the ownership for a second and, and tried to look at the the moves that we're making on the ice um you know it's it seems like everything is is a business first decision which is which is unfortunate obviously now you might not know this but like how many how many u.s dollars would it cost for someone to just get in the building at a canadians game i would say um if we're going back um if we're going back two years ago i would say that to get in the building, it would probably cost around 150, 175 bucks US. Oh my Damn. god! Uh, I mean, that's—I <laughs> shouldn't say that. That's probably for Reds. Those are those are for decent seats. If we're talking about just like getting in the building, you didn't care where you sat. Yeah, uh, you probably get in for like uh, 100 bucks. So what is that? Like 75 bucks uh, US. But wow. that's uh, that's if you paid um, like the actual price of the ticket. But when the tickets were sold out, you weren't getting in. Yeah, I was. Pro- I'm probably right on right on the money with saying it'd probably be in around 150, 175 to get in. If if it was if it's a sold out game when we're playing like a an original six team or a rival or something, you're not getting in for less than 150 bucks US. And I mean, you know, what about you know, 
you get to the upper bowl of the Coliseum, no matter who the hell they're playing, maybe except the Rangers for like what, 15 bucks. Oh yeah. Oh man. Yeah. 15 bucks. I think their whole deal with like Loudville was like $11. (laughs) You got a shirt and a burrito. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A shirt and a burrito and a, and a cup of asbestos. So, you know, (laughs) Oh man. That's uh, (laughs) a good old Coliseum. But, um, right. So, so we'll, we'll get back to, uh, to the Habs in a, in a second, but let's, let's, um, just shade a bit over to dear youth. And I want to, uh, you know, of course, definitely talk about the new record, which we're, we're super excited for. And, um, I saw the, uh, on Twitter, I think you had a mock-up of, uh, the, um, that splatter, uh, vinyl, which looks vinyl, yeah. really, really nice. So, um, I guess the first question is, uh, how did dear youth end up linking up with anchor 84? Um, you know, what was the, the process there? Did, was there any other interest from any other labels? And you Mm -hmm. guys just decided that anchor 84 was, you know, really the ones that wanted to give you the most back. So how did that process kind of come to be? Um, yeah, so I, I have like a, a business background. So I always felt like that was always an advantage because, uh, you know, respect, respectfully speaking to my fellow artists, like I think there's a lot of artists out there that are just very good at, at doing their art and writing music and don't necessarily think about things from like a business perspective. Right. Oh, so, yeah. sure. uh, um, you know, I would say that, um, I've always had that, that business mind. I'm kind of like the business, like marketing, marketing guy behind our, our, our band. Um, I still take part in, in songwriting, but I would, you know, self-admittedly say that's definitely not my, my, my strong suit. Uh, that's more Jacob and, and Luke and we'll, we'll get to them obviously. But, um, in terms of linking up with anchor, like we, uh, I built like a, a press kit for the uh, electronic press kit for our band, probably in like mid, uh, I think mid 2017, uh, early 2018. Um, and we, we just started like, taking names and, and, you know, hitting the, the grindstone. Uh, but our strategy was like, we wanted to kind of have everything packaged and pretty with like a nice little bow on top to a label and be like, listen, like, this is who we are. We're, we're serious. We're not coming to you, asking you for all kinds of money to, to pursue our dream. Like we're very much able to create the dream for ourselves. And, and we just wanted to present them with almost like an offer that they couldn't refuse. Sure. Um, and that was our, our our first EP. So it was all like self-funded. We recorded a music video. We went out to Toronto um, to record with Sam Guyana, who I'm sure we'll we'll get into a little bit later. And um, you know, we just the quality, everything was like top of mind. Um, we fired it off to a bunch of different labels. Um, I could even say the label that that answered us now because they don't exist anymore. So we we actually had the privilege of going out to Chicago to uh, to uh, audition with uh, with Victory Records. Um, which was, which was really cool, obviously. Um, I mean, cool. And I guess some people would say not so cool because from what we, <laughs> which was a very interesting experience, I must say, um, it, we went through, so we dry it, we, we went, uh, we went through, drove down, um, didn't like a day. Uh, they put us up in a hotel, like we played and the cake was like, so weird, man. It was like, like, we kind of felt like, like, it was like our first big, like, you know, opportunity as a band, you know, so we're still inexperienced and like you know they said okay like they're, they're ready for you they're ready for you so like we were like getting ready to play and they like shut off, off all the lights and there was just, like one spot spotlight on us and like we played and we couldn't really see the faces or reactions of anybody in the crowd it was really really weird um and then they, like came up to us after and they're, like yeah good job guys okay you know go when we're interested well you'll hear from us and um 
things like with them just I don't know like they I think they were having a lot of like internal like issues and clearly they're they're defunct now so obviously things weren't you know going in, in the best direction for them so we uh, we're continuing just to to shop around and um, lo and behold my uh, our, our basis had reached out to Anchor eighty four and we heard back from them and and they actually showed like interest in in what we are were doing at, at the time you know they loved the EP they like immediately their reaction was like, we want, we want a part of this. Like we want to work with you guys. So just like made sense. Like they showed the most interest and like saw the, the same vision that we did. Um, and then like you had, we had a bunch of friends of ours that were like whispering in our ear about, you know, Oh, victory's done this to that band and, you know, they to remember and blah, blah, blah. As I'm, maybe I'm sure a lot of listeners have heard. So we just like didn't want any part of that. And, and yeah, it was, it was definitely like the right decision when it came, when it came down to it. So you mentioned no, I, that showcase show. Were there yeah. no fans in the in the in the venue? No, no, no. There were there were no fans. It was like oh my god. It was, an, it was a like Wednesday. It was like a Wednesday morning in like mid. It was like right before Christmas. It was like mid December, early December. Um, we just like showed up, went to like a practice space venue type. It was a decent spot. It wasn't it wasn't anything shabby. Um, and like we just went on stage, played a couple like songs to 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 warm up, and then they just like shut off all the lights and they're like, all right, they're here. Like we're ready to go. These were like the organizers or whatever. Cause I think like victory had used this spot like for, for other showcases. So that kind of everyone knew their, their places and whatnot. So they're like, all right, all right. Like, you know, you guys can play, you can start. We saw like a bunch of like figures, like shadows just walk into the room. We couldn't see faces. They didn't react in between songs. It was like very awkward. Oh it was like, Hey, thanks for giving us this opportunity. Like what's up, you know? <laughs> um, it was, it was so weird, man. It was so weird. Um, and like, you know, what have you, like, we, we felt like we played okay. Like looking back on it, I remember I was sick and I was like pissed that I didn't give like my best performance. So, um, anyways, man, it was, it was a cool experience. Um, but yeah, like, you know, anchor was definitely like the right choice, like without a question. Cool. So did they make yeah. you do like a showcase show as well? Or are they just like, nah. okay. Yeah, no. Um, they're out in LA, and you know they're they're um, more independent uh, operation. So it was I think they they saw what they had to see from us, and like we had live videos and stuff like that in our in our uh, you know, electronic uh, press kit. So like you know they they saw they saw us play um, on on video. Obviously, it's different different live, but no, they they were they were on board right off the right off the bat. Cool, excellent. That is. Yeah. Uh... That's super cool. I mean, it's always it's always great to, you know, have the the respect and support of a label that really, you know, doesn't just see the the dollar signs you can give them, but that you know wants to support yep. what you do and and give you the you know the encouragement, not only the encouragement, but the you know the, the backing to get your band to to where it wants to be. Uh, so, you know, in my research and everything that I've read about you guys. I don't see that there's a bassist. So is, is this just like a phantom bassist or like? Uh, right. There... <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a great. That's a great question. So when I when I had spoken about our bassist, that's our former bassist Eduardo, um, who uh, parted ways with the band very amicably. Uh, just hit a point in his life where it was time for him to really start focusing on his business. He was a business sure. owner as well, so. Um, it was just time time for him to step away. We're still obviously great friends with him. There's no hard feelings. Um, so our our current bassist, and I guess this is the first time I'm going to be uh, speaking of this, 
Um, it, it, it's Luke Sylvester. So I had mentioned Luke a, a little bit before. Luke Sylvester is a, uh, a friend of our, our band. He's been part of our band ever since the beginning. He's a, a local producer out here, worked with a few uh, Montreal artists, um, and he's been very much involved in, in, in the scene. And I've known Luke for, for many, many years. So uh, we will be moving forward with Luke Sylvester as the, as the basis of the band. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I guess, I guess it's news, uh, breaking news right now. <laughs> <laughs> you breaking news is always great. I got the but, exclusive uh, man. <laughs> love it. I love that. So, um, so tell me a little bit about dear youth and what has influenced dear youth in terms of how you guys write and, and create mm-hmm. material. Now I know, I know you had said that, you know, you maybe take a, a little bit more of a backseat, you know, in terms of, uh, of, you know, cultivating some of the, some of the content, but right. as a vocalist, I'm sure like yeah. you have, you know, are you like writing all of the, the vocals and all of the melodies there? And then the, right. the band just kind of, you know, writes behind it or what's right. your songwriting process process. And then right. uh, additionally, you know, what bands, have influenced your guys in the way that you write and um you know what are some of the things mm-hmm. that you would say that you've listened to that really inspired uh heirloom and the you know the whole kind of ethos of the record right uh, yeah great question um start with the writing process so um basically the the song structure ever since like the the ep in our opinion is like kind of and that's you could wish me the best EP, the first to release under Anchor. For us, that's like our first real release. Like the one before was something that we did in our basement, and we did it ourselves, and we had absolutely yeah. no idea what we were doing. And like, you know, there's some decent songs off it, but you could just tell it's definitely more of like a, you know, a first, a first kind of try, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, definitely like isn't something. I mean, we're proud of it, obviously, and it's still out there on all platforms, but. Uh, for us, we really consider, you know, you could wish me the best, like the, the real first release of our band. Um, it's what we saw the most success from, obviously. Um, so um, usually a song starts off with uh, with Jacob and, and Brendan, uh, both of our guitarists, just like noodling, just jamming with each other. They actually live together now. So they're always, you know, coming up with uh, with material, with riffs and, um, you know, just kind of passing things back and forth on the Dropbox until kind of they're happy with, with an overall song structure, song, song framework. Um, right. And then they'll, they'll take that song over to Luke, over to, uh, to a studio, and, and Luke's just a master songwriter, music genius, somebody that just spends hours and hours just producing music day in, day out. Um, mm-hmm. Been a part of so many different bands here in Montreal. So um, he's the guy that we kind of, he, we use him as a filter. So we'll take that song idea, song structure, whether it's a riff, a chorus, a verse, whatever it is. Um, and we'll take that general song idea to Luke and then he'll, you know, he'll put it through his brain, his system. And what, what comes out of that and that process between, uh, you know, strings. So guitar, uh, bass and, and Luke, they, they'll sit on it. They'll refine it. They'll polish it. And by the time I get the material, it's more or less like a completed song idea like beginning, middle, and end. Um, and then I'll go in, well, they'll send it to me usually, and then um, I'll think of melodies. Like, for the most part, I write uh, most of the melodies and, and the lyrics, but we definitely use Luke again as like that, that filter to put all our ideas um, through. So then I'll go with my ideas to Luke's, 
Um, we'll pass around different melody ideas. We'll pass around lyric uh, content. Like I'll definitely kind of develop like what I want to say. Um, and then with the phrasing and whatnot, Luke's really good at, you know, saying, ah, I don't know about this, you know, the way that these syllables work or the way that this, you know, this lyric sounds corny, like whatever, you know? Um, and then like, we'll have a demo. Well, we, like at that point we'll have a demo then, and that's all pre like pre-production. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the way that we went about the writing process for heirloom is we did that about 20, 25 times where we went through that entire cycle, 20, 25 times. So now going into Sam Guyana studio out in Toronto, we have like 25 song ideas, like beginning, middle and end vocals, uh, drums, guitars, like everything. Um, and from that point, we just, you know, decided to pick the 10 best songs that we felt that we felt, excuse me, uh, represented an entire body of work an album songs that, you know, it was 10 best songs, but also the, the 10 best songs that most represented uh, an album. Um, that flowed into each other. You know, we're thinking about the ways that songs ended and and, and finished, um, and where they should fit on the record. So, so that's really how we, we we you know we we wrote the record. Um, and then in terms of like kind of the influences, um, I could speak for myself. Um, you know, been into alternative music um, ever since I could remember. Always uh, Blink One Eight Two, Some Forty One. Uh, you know, in the early two thousands, going to Warp Tour. My first Warp Tour was in two thousand seven. I remember seeing um, Chiodos. I remember seeing Paramore and like, you know, nobody knew who they were. Actually, Misery Business had just come out. So people were, were jamming to that, but still they were, you know, not what people know as, uh, what the people know as them, uh, who they are today. Um, and um, uh, yeah, like I would say in terms of my influences in the last few years, I've been listening to a lot of, a lot of rap, funny enough. Um <laughs> I'd say in terms of bands that are involved in the in the scene, quote unquote, I'd say like a band like Point North, um, they're on Hopeless. They're they're doing a lot of cool things that I really like. Obviously, like Story So Far, um, and then kind of like an old like Taking Back Sunday would be kind of like my like top three go to uh, right now. And um, now, out of curiosity, saying that you've been listening to it a lot of like rap and, and hip hop, has that yeah. uh, has that kind of influenced like your your phrasing or like the way that you like come across in, in your vocal melodies, you know, not saying, you know, that you're, you're, you're on, you know, tracks rapping or right. anything, but like, like MG you know, <laughs> yeah, obviously like, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a very, very kind of cool and interesting way to, uh, you know, to kind of look at how you phrase things and stuff. So would you say that that has, um, like influenced you at all, or is it kind of yeah. like still the alternative stuff that's really, you know, ringing, ringing most, most true for you? Right. Um, I would say a, a little bit like, like my vocal, like style is like that, you know, it is sort of like a yelly intense, mm-hmm. uh, like high, like mid high range vocal, vocal style. So I'd say there's definitely like, in terms of the way that we're writing, maybe some, some influences there on, on, on the rap side of things, but, um, I, I can't say so. I think, I think, you know, in terms of, um, in terms of influences that I would that I would compare my myself to vocally, um, I think I think a lot of um, a lot of people would say there's resemblances to like uh, uh, State Champs or like a, like a story story so far. I would say would be the two that I would okay. um, reflect on, in, or in terms of just use a reference for for my vocal style. Because when I was developing, um, you know, as a vocalist and and kind of like you know just just getting into a lot of the, the the bands that were popping off um kind of in that second wave of pop punk 
in, in the mid 2000s, I think those are the two bands that I look back on as being like the most influential to me um, as a vocalist. So, All right. So I, I've mentioned it on this podcast like numerous times how like Canadian pop punk is just like killing it right now. There's so many awesome Canadian pop yeah. punk bands. And, do, do, you know, I, I ask this pretty much every time, like, do you give a lot of credit to the producers that are in Toronto as to like why the Canadian pop punk scene is just blowing up the way it is? Um, a hundred percent. I do. Um, I, I do know a lot of those bands, um, don't necessarily work with, uh, with Canadian producers per se, but I could say that the ones that I'm personally connected to and that I know of offhand, they do work with guys like Anton DeLost, um, Sam Guyana, um, those are the two that that come to mind. Um, Derek Hoffman uh, is another one. Um, so yes, absolutely. I think the, the, there's definitely something in going on in Toronto. I think the the scene there um, from a pop pop punk. If we're talking about pop punk specifically, um, obviously you've got bands like Seaway, uh, like Pacific, Rarity. Um, in the West Coast, you've got bands like uh, Calling All Captains, Chief State. Um, so yeah, like there's definitely like something brewing in Canada. I think we're really excited about, about the bands that are coming out of Canada pop punk wise. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the, the producers have a, a big part to do with it. Um, but when we're talking about Montreal, like the city that we're from specifically, um, it's pop punk is actually like so far removed from our city. I mean, everyone thinks of like simple plan, um, you know, obviously like, uh, you know, gods of, of pop punk, uh, one of them at least, but um like people in montreal love their their heavy music they love their their hardcore they love their metalcore so um i would say i would say pop punk it's funny like we've played shows with a band called obliterate now you might not have heard of them but when i say the word there's a band called obliterate you could imagine how heavy they are <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and and we're and we're playing our our songs you know with an acoustic guitar and you know we see people into it but like they're you know super metal and super tough so like we're getting off stage and like you know the, the girlfriends are coming up to us and being oh we loved your stuff and don't worry like my boyfriend loves you guys too but you know he's he's just you know he's too cool to come up and say something he doesn't <laughs> want to lose his his street cred or whatever with his with his boys um but yeah like those are the types of bands that we would like play with like getting getting our feet wet into the scene you know, um, but then obviously we've done we've done some little tours out to to Toronto and, and definitely like the reception there just like better because people like actually dig like, you know, more like you know, singing vocals and, and not like uh, bands that are going to scream in your face, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. No, for sure. And and like, it, you know, it's funny when I think about, you know, so I'm I, I always when we have these conversations, like I try to rack my brain and think about like, you know, punk or alternative bands from from Montreal. And you know the one that keeps coming to mind just because their their new record is so great uh, yeah. is is Land of Talk. Now, I, I mean, I'm not sure if you're if you're a fan of them. I know they're more of kind of like an indie rock band, but right. Um, but you know, I, I agree a lot with what Mikey says. You know, where I think Canada yeah. is kind of uh, in general just putting out a lot of great music in the kind of pop punk and punky realm. You know, one of my mm -hmm. favorite bands from you know from Toronto is 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 Pup. You know, they're they're like, yeah, of course, and yeah. I think they're like genre bending, which is great. You know, right. they're they're you know punky and alternative. But um, so 
do you, you know, so being, you know, being from Canada, being from the Montreal area and kind of, you know, almost leading, I feel like based on what I can see, it's almost like you guys are kind of leading the charge of this kind of music coming out of Montreal. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any other bands in Montreal that are maybe just like a step or two behind you guys in terms of, you know, being ready for the show that right. you got, you, you would care to, you know, talk about or even shout out or even, you know, like someone who, you know, you, you would wish would get that shot. Like who right. is up and coming in the Montreal punk pop, you know, pop punk scene that you could, you could think of. Um, yeah. So, uh, there's a band that we play a lot of shows with, um, friends of ours are called them born drive. They're really cool. Um, but honestly, man, like the, the pop punk scene in the last like three years has, especially Montreal has been so dead. Um, and I'm not trying to like, you know, not, uh, you know, not give any credit or, or not mention any bands that, that are, you know, plugging away and, and working hard, but like, to, you know, truthfully, like there just aren't any, there, the scene here has really taken a hit. Um, some, some of our, our, our most popular like venues have unfortunately closed. Um, I mean, there's still plenty of places to play a show. I'm not saying that, but, um, they're just on the pop punk quote unquote side of things. Like there really aren't any, any bands that, that, that come to mind. And I like to think I'm pretty, you know, uh, plugged into to the local scene, you know, um, so yeah, unfortunately there aren't there aren't any. Um, I would say that in terms of like some bands from Montreal that uh, that are that are doing doing some things that we like. Um, I would say um, there's a um, hmm, it's a great question. Yeah, man, a lot of a lot of kids just want to want to want to pick up like a like a mixer and and do the DJ thing. That's that's the <laughs> truth of them. That's really the truth. I think that like. Uh, there's like more, uh, more like SoundCloud kids or kids that want to play, play like EDM. Like that's really like what I think a lot of, uh, a lot of the kids that would, that would, uh, maybe would have picked up a guitar or, you know, learned, uh, you know, drums are, are really like just taking up like electronic music these days. Like they don't want to be producers. Like, and I see it, I have a brother that's a lot younger than me. Uh, and I just see it with his friends. Like kids aren't starting bands anymore which is which is sad no i i i agree um it, it's just not happening as, as much as you'd like it anymore so um just got a real quick just a yeah. quick snap transition this conversation uh Absolutely. news news just came down the pipe that uh petrangelo signed with the knights wow for like like money seven years wow. 60 62 mil Wow. So, so that, wow, that here. yeah, the sweepstakes are over. Uh, it's, uh, Jeez. so, uh, I guess we could even talk about that a little bit. You know, obviously you, you had mentioned, um, earlier that, you know, you guys signed, uh, to Foley and, um, yeah. So have you, uh, have you been following a lot of the, cause I know you said you've been a little disenfranchised with, with, with right. the half, but have you been following the off season? Um, and, uh, you know, the, the moves that have been kind of being made across the NHL. Cause it's, uh, it's been kind of interesting just to see, uh, where people are going. And, you know, you had right. even mentioned like, a apparently everyone is just going to Buffalo cause that's where they want to be. I guess they're, <laughs> all, they're all, they're all really super into the bills. I don't know what it is, but, uh, yeah, yeah it's I, kind of a, kind of interesting to see. 
Absolutely. Um, I would say, yeah, I think Taylor Hall, well, I think just with COVID from what I've heard, there's a lot of like, uh, like teams that just don't have the money to pay players up front. Right. Because like a lot of these contracts, as you can see, they're going to be like loaded on the back end. So the mm-hmm. signing bonuses are really small. Like you saw a Taylor Hall signing bonus was like a million dollars. Where usually now like players want all their money up front for obvious reasons, you know, yeah. start mm-hmm. investing it earlier, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. So um, I would say, yeah, it's super weird that players are going to, to Buffalo. I mean, I guess like Jack Eichel um, is, is, I guess, the, the, the lightning rod that's attracting people there. Um, I guess it's the closest like American city to Canada. So maybe you'll still get like the Canadian, you know, like uh, reaction or like notoriety. You know, you won't get buried like in Florida where people won't know who you are. I mean, Buffalo is obviously a hockey city. There's no question. Um, so I, I don't know. I think Taylor Hall is just kind of doing it as like a, a showcase. Like I think he'll go, he'll go to Buffalo. I think he'll play well. Cause I mean, he's proven that, you know, he could play well in Phoenix, obviously, or Arizona. Sorry. Um, so, you know, he could play well there. And I think he, if it goes well there and, and, you know, uh, you know, things work out for him, maybe he'll end up signing a, a multi-year deal, uh, for all kinds of money in, in Buffalo. But I think like Buffalo has made so many mistakes with, uh, just with their overall development in the last five five years, that I think guys like Jack Eichel, Jack Eichel, like you heard him at the end of the of last season, just the, uh, you know not happy with like the direction of the franchise. Yeah. Um, in terms of other uh, other big signings, um, you guys have to remind me um, kind of uh, some of the bigger names that that have gone because uh, to be honest, I can't think of any off off uh, off the top of my head. No, I mean it's it, like it's not like there haven't been I would say right. like the huge names. Right. Um, you know, I think Wayne um, Simmons going to Toronto is like a sleeper big. move. Yeah, that's big. Yeah. Yep, for sure. I feel like that's big. always what they're missing is like some grit and some like locker room yeah. guys and from what yeah. I hear that's Wayne Simmons. Absolutely. Uh I think Wayne Simmons, I mean, I remember him on on Philly obviously like when he was you know, scoring goals and and kind of, I guess, being more of a difference maker on the score sheet, I would say now Wayne Simmons is definitely more of like a, a locker room guy. I mean, I think, you know, respectfully to Wayne Simmons, I think like his best days are are behind him. But at the same time, I think, I think, you know, Toronto just needs character. I think that like, they have a lot of guys that are young and they're hungry, you know, Austin Matthews, you know, is obviously, uh, you know, a, a huge, huge player for them. And, and uh, you know, obviously Tavares um, and the rest of the young the young kids that they have out there. So I think there's like a lot of, you know, young energy in Toronto, but it just seems like they can't, they can't put it together in, in the playoffs. And um, I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy with that, to be honest with you. I honestly don't care about Toronto too much, <laughs> uh, considering that they're like, Obviously, our biggest rival. So uh, you know, the 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 more Toronto you know gets gets knocked out in the first round by Boston, uh, I'm not going to complain <laughs> <laughs> about that. But, well, but honestly, yeah, and you, I mean, you guys have a pretty um, you know a pretty storied rivalry with uh, with with Boston, the Bruins, and you know, big signing was uh, you know Krug going to uh, the Blues, uh, you know, and he he signed a pretty massive deal uh, going in that direction. So. I, you know, this time of year, well, I shouldn't say this time of year, I should, you know, free agency because it's not normally this time of year, but yeah. it's, it's always, uh, it's always cool uh, to see, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I imagine that TSN gets like an overburdened amount of 
traffic to their website for like three or four days, like unbelievably. Uh, so, you know, people can just kind of look at all this stuff, but uh, it, right. it's cool. You know, I think it's, it's interesting to see these, uh, you know, these teams take new shapes and new forms and, you know, you, you see old players leaving. I mean, you know, uh, Crawford leaving the Hawks, man. That's like, you know, a, a vestige of the past, you know, and uh, signing over yeah. with the Devils too. So it's just uh, really, really interesting stuff. Absolutely. Um, no, you, you definitely hit the nail on the head. Uh, a lot of different, you know, a lot of teams are are, are taking shape. I think um, we could say that there's, you know, there's always been a lot of parity in the NHL. I think any team could beat any team on any given night. Um, but yeah, definitely some teams taking shape. Obviously, as we mentioned, Buffalo are, are definitely going to look a lot different this season. I'm very excited to see what they can do. Um, speaking about the Habs, you know, guys like Anderson, very excited to see what he can do. Very excited to see what Tyler Toffoli could do. We also got the Edmondson from Carolina who didn't really watch play a lot when I've heard he's, he's decent. Um, and then thinking about our roster, like I would really love to see, you know, guys like Jonathan Dwayne who are just, you know, anyways, don't <laughs> maybe don't get me started on him, but it's just so unfortunate. You know, you're given every kid's dream on a silver platter and, you know, you're supposed to be a professional and you've shown signs of greatness in Tampa, but yet when the bright lights are shining on you in Montreal and, you know, you, you just can't, you can't put it together, you know, and, and that's so unfortunate because you have guys like Harry Price, you have guys like Shea Weber that are literally in their prime. Like, you know, I really, I hate when our, our management lies to the fans blatantly and says, oh, there's, there's no window, you know, there's no window, you know, well, when Carey Price is 45 years old or, or, or Shea Weber you know, has dust coming out of his gloves because, you know, <laughs> he's so old, you know, yeah. like respectfully, of course, is that when we're going to, we're going to win a cup, you know, it's just like, and or we're going to go for it at least, you know, like it's about time that like the, the management just tells it like it is, man, just says like, this is what we want to do. We're, we're going for it. And, and the barrier isn't, oh, well, we're just, we're just going to try to make the playoffs and we're going to just see what happens. You know, like to me, that's such an insulting thing to say. It's like if we're supposed to be the franchise that everybody looks to as a symbol of greatness, because I'm sorry, in the last like 10, 15 years, no one, no one's looked to the Canadians as a symbol of greatness. Let's, let's call it like it is. But when you think of the history, everyone looks at the Canadians to be, you know, 20, 24 Stanley Cups. You know, they're the team that, that, that symbolizes what it is to be like a dynasty, you know, and we, we, we tell our, our fan base, like, we're just trying to make the playoffs. And anything could happen. And then you point to teams. Oh, look what St. Louis did. Like St. Louis winning the cup is like a perfect like deflection, like from a marketing perspective for our management, right? Because they're like, oh, look, they, you know, who are they? I mean, of course, O'Reilly played amazing and blah, 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 right? But, you know, how their goalie, like, look who, you know, we just ironically got one of their, their goalies, <laughs> you know, uh, Jake Allen. So like, you know, like they, they didn't really go, you know, they didn't have any superstars and they played like a team and they were in last place in January and they, they, they made a run for the cup, you know? Um, but like, no, like we should, we should be going, we should be going for it, man. I mean, you have Carey Price, you have the best goalie in the league. You have arguably one of the best, or at least uh, like to think one, still one of the best defensemen and leaders in Shea Weber in the league. Like, let's, let's go, you know, let's, let's make a run. So. Yeah, it's it's tough, man. It definitely is tough. And yeah. like Tom has mentioned, we've been there. We know what it's mm. like to kind of mm -hmm. have those in between years where like you oh, know, man, we had yeah. Tavares and then we go and get Bill Garen. And it's like really <laughs> yeah. that's who you want to put on Tavares' line, Bill Garen. 
And it's right. just like, yeah. you know, you, you do feel like at times your, yeah. you know, management could be wasting the prime years of your, of your superstar. But absolutely, you know, that's why it's so important to, to build around guys when they're still on like their entry level deals, when they're still making like the league so minimum. Important, man. Because absolutely, I mean, once they start getting that, you know, the the bridge deal and then like their their main deal, it's really really yeah. hard then to to build around that. Absolutely, man. I mean, um, looking at looking at your roster, like you guys got you guys got some decent Canadians, uh, like uh, Canadian born players that that are exciting, like a Beauvillier. He's uh, he's cool. He's actually uh, my brother's actually friends with Beauvillier. Funny enough, uh, which is pretty cool um so, yeah so we so can we it. talk about his like shot in the dark to anna kendrick like did everyone think that was his oh my god dude good for, like honestly, good for him because <laughs> that was like i think it was during one of the like maybe it was the all-star break when he did that yeah. so like usually all-star break is when you know all the players go to like the caribbean islands or whatever but it seems like bovillier is kind of like still like like a immature like early 20 something year old so he probably like went back home like and was like partying with his boys drinking keystone light and was like yo watch this i'm gonna say hi to anna kendrick (laughs) (laughs) yeah man i remember that on twitter that was hilarious uh hey good for him and he as wayne gretzky once said you miss 100 percent of the shots (laughs) that you don't take you know so hey like if that if that worked out for him like Good for him, honestly. Uh, reminds me of when um, Jeannie Bouchard, who's a tennis player from Montreal, uh, socialite, like you know, Instagram model type of type of girl. Um, kind of, you know, there was a dude that kind of did the same thing. Like, hey, you know, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. So, Jared, I guess let's let's spend the last couple of minutes talking about your album release that's coming out on october 23rd heirloom um just kind of walk us through you know how you guys have been planning for this release like you know like you just said montreal's going back to doing some like more lockdown stuff you know with covid you know so how are you guys like planning this release rather than like you know normally you guys would plan a release during normal times yeah, so to be honest, like a lot of things were on hold, um, you know, because we just had no idea what was going to happen with uh, with the pandemic, like if we'd be able to tour, if we wouldn't be able to tour. So like that, obviously, like um, just put things on the back burner for a little while, well, excuse me, a little while, just because we, we weren't sure what we were going to be able to do. Um, once things op- started to open back up, um, and we were allowed to, to obviously meet up in person and whatnot. Then we just started filming a bunch of content. Um, I'm sure you guys saw the, the music video that we put out for our song on one of our singles, Who You Are, uh, two weeks ago, which uh, is doing very, very well. We're super happy with that. Um, so what's in the works moving forward is, um, i tell you guys right now, we're releasing a single this Friday. It's called What's the Secret? It's going to be with, um, there's a feature on the song. It's our first feature ever. It's with Jordan Black of uh of like pacific oh that's a really really cool part on the song which we're really really happy about um so So then did you uh, did you approach him do you guys have a relationship with like pacific how did that Mm -hmm. work out so that actually was put together through sam guyana um because jordan literally lives right across the the street from sam's studio so uh when we were like kind of putting together like the framework of that song in the studio 
um, we said, hey, like, uh, you know, we, we definitely wanted to have somebody um, like feature on the song just because we felt like that specific parts in the bridge, like definitely could use a very like intense uh, uh, vocal performance and something I just felt like would be better off if someone else did. Um, so Sam just like said, Hey, like I can get Jordan in here. And he ended up coming in to record his part. We weren't there, uh, for that. Um, but Sam set it all up and, and yeah, like it came out unbelievably. We were super, super happy, um, with, with how that came out. Um, and in terms of like, uh, the promotion moving forward, uh, we're looking to, we're actually going to be filming another music video for that song this Sunday. Um, and then we've got some some live acoustic renditions of the singles that we're going to be releasing within the next couple of weeks after the the album comes out. Um, so yeah, like we're obviously still working. We're still working super hard on on creating content, obviously, and trying to interact with fans. Even you know, even though we can't play shows, we're going to be also doing a, a live performance of of about ten songs as well um, off the album. Most likely, we'll play the album right through um into probably mid-november that should be that should take place so uh so yeah man we're we're super super excited about this album i think this album represents um the best rendition of of our band and the message that we're trying to to spread and um and yeah i think you guys are really really going to to enjoy it cool so you you mentioned the the live performance that you guys have scheduled uh right i, I know this past weekend the Mezen, Menzen, menzingers Mezen. did yeah. that and i heard like glowing reviews of how awesome that was so like how do you guys as a band feel playing like a, a live show to no fans like do you feel like as a yeah. pop punk band it's it's taking some of the energy from your show like what what are your thoughts about it um yeah like playing playing uh i mean i guess we had that one experience that we spoke about with victory yeah yeah uh, so it was probably very similar to that like, yeah exactly it's probably very very similar to that um yeah it's definitely different um we're not sure if we're going to be doing it in like a live venue or more of like a practice like a plug-in and play studio type of vibe um so yeah, I I mean we did want we definitely want to do it in a space that's like we could interact and and kind of give uh, the viewer like the best like experience as if it were a live show. So most likely leaning towards it being more of a like in a live venue. Uh, now that now that I think of it, but uh, yeah, you know it just it's the new normal, right? It, it is what it is until things open back up and and bands could start touring and playing shows again. I mean that that's really going to be the best that it's going to be. So uh, obviously we'll we'll take what we can get. Now, do you feel like you guys would have the upper hand over venues at this point? Like, you know, in 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 the past, venues kind of always came out on top, especially with like right. bands that are starting out. Like they at times took advantage of bands, and like right. now as the situation is currently the way it is, like mm -hmm. are are venues still like requesting bands to like pay? to to record there like do you have any idea about that mm, that's a good question um from what i heard uh like i guess they still have to pay rent and they probably have expenses yeah. um existing so like we've been lucky because i know like the government has helped out a lot of like venues and like uh businesses um with but loans that's, that's and whatnot. like a huge part yeah. up in canada i Absolutely. heard how like yes the government 
takes the, like the music industry so serious up there and like are always so yeah. like supportive of, of the music. Absolutely. Uh, maybe it's glorified a little bit to be a hundred percent honest. Like it's, it's good. There's no question about it. I mean, um, we would like to see just speaking on government and, and, and music and the scene in, in general, just for all artists is for us to be able to play to the States. We need a P2 visa, which is something that we believe needs to be just like reworked or there needs to be an easier way for bands to get into the States for Canadian bands to get into the States. I mean, there's a big reason why dear youth has not played an official American show yet, which is at this point in our trajectory, like kind of like embarrassing, like to be hundred percent honest, like we, we have a lot of people in the States that are asking for us to come out, but you know, getting this visa, it has to be booked three months in advance and blah, blah, blah. And now with COVID, like it just makes things so much more difficult that you have to be so on point when planning your logistics. And it's not to say that we don't have like the team and the infrastructure to make sure that we can, we can make it happen. We do. Uh, but it's just more like the headache that you have to go through to actually just like play a show in the States. You know, like we tried to play a show in the States and obviously like at the time we were a little bit inexperienced. We didn't have the right paperwork set up. So we get to the border and they're like, no, you can't, you can't go through. Like, sorry. You know, and it's like, well, why? Like we had our paperwork and they're like, oh no, but you know, your lawyer didn't file all this properly and da, 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 da. And it's like, wow. Like, you know, so they turned us, they turned us away, uh, which sucked. But, you know, hopefully, hopefully things will, uh, will be just easier in November when you guys hopefully make a change to your government and whatnot. <laughs> uh, and uh, not to get into the politics, but of course, uh, we, we definitely pray that things are just easier for, for Canadian bands to play, uh, to play shows in the States. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. That's something that uh, I'm, I'm kind of glad you, you shed some light on it because it's uh, a lot of smaller bands uh, you know, and even, even, you know, bands that have a bigger presence, uh, you know, yeah. it, it, it can be very difficult uh, to, you know, have to make all of those preparations in advance. And not only that, but, you know, the the cost involved with that. And then, you yeah. know, God forbid something happens when, you know, where you can't, you know, make your commitments and all that stuff. I mean, it, it gets really right. difficult. And you would think that, you know, something as simple as just, you know, crossing over a border, you know, to, um, to be able to get more people, your art shouldn't be something that's so hamstrung, but you know, again, here we exactly. are, so, but you know, here is to, you know, crossing fingers and hoping that, uh, you know, change, okay, exactly. change comes to, comes to this country, uh, in the coming, in the coming months. So, uh, but uh, one Absolutely. last question, yeah, for sure. Yeah. One last question for you. Uh, you know, we've been chatting for about an hour. Um, and, um, so, you know, heirloom, we've, you know, it's coming out in, in, in yeah. 11 days. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got a lot of buzz behind it. Um, if we had a different world and we had, we were mm -hmm. never, you know, grief stricken by what's going on with all of this, uh, you know, with the pandemic and all of this, uh, you know, craziness and you guys were playing a, uh, you know, a physical release show, who would you have wanted to have on your on your show? Um, you know, where would you have wanted to do it? I mean, you know, pipe dream or not, like how would that have played out for you guys? Right. Um, yeah, it's a great question. Um, on our release show, um, there's a band out of Toronto that we're super good friends with that now thinking back on your on your question about bands that I'd like to to shout out or, or give some love to. Uh, definitely would be this band Nightwell. Nightwell from Toronto. 
uh, super, super talented band. Um, one of their guitarists actually was uh, a producer on our, on our last uh, EP or sound engineer, whatever his name's Kyle uh, Marchand. Um, so that's like a band that we absolutely uh, would have on the bill. Um, another band that we would want on the bill if we can get them, obviously, uh, why not? Why not give Seaway? Why not give Seaway some love? There, they have a record that's coming out very, very soon. I think it might have even come out already, or it's coming out in a few days. I think on the sixteenth, if possible, this this week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, yeah, why not? Why not get Seaway on 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 the on the bill? Um, and yeah, I think that's that's what we would have done. That's what the plan was to to obviously do a release tour, come down to the states. I mean, we definitely had it all mapped out. Um, we were talking to another band, um, I think even from your neck of the woods, if you guys are familiar with them, they're called goalkeeper. Oh yeah. Um, we just, we just talked we've with had Mark. Goalkeeper on the show. Yeah. Oh, there you, there you go. Beautiful. So yeah, we, we've been talking with them. I know they're like on the up and up. Um, so yeah, like we probably would have done a run with them. Um, we're good friends with calling all captains. Uh, we would have loved to play shows with them and shout out obviously to chief state out of Vancouver would have loved to do a west coast run with them go down to la go meet our label for like you know, an official meeting um would have been super super cool um so yeah man i mean definitely uh very unfortunate we obviously want to keep it positive and and you know hope that in 2021 at some points we'll be able to play play shows again but until then man it's it's what this is it's skypes and zoom calls and live stream shows <laughs> absolutely yeah it, it's it's definitely tough and to to drop an you know an album that has so much hype during right. these times it, it it's it's definitely a little scary but i i definitely yeah. feel that this is going to be the album that just like pops off for you guys especially based on the singles that you guys have put out so far so i don't think you have anything to worry about there yeah, I, re- I really appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much for for speaking with me and 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 you know shedding some light on on the album. We uh, we really really appreciate it. Absolutely. So, will we ever see a Dear Youth Montreal Canadiens merch collaboration or like merch match? Uh, or is, do you feel like that I'd kind love of stuff to say, is overdone? No, no. I I definitely would be down to 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 do something, um, but I'd have to feel more confident about the direction the Habs are going before uh, <laughs> before we collaborate. I'd rather do a Laval Rocket, Dear Youth, off the off the grid AHL collab. Dude, I than... love that. <laughs> That's awesome. I think their logo is so much their logo is so much cooler than 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 the Canadians logo anyway. Um, that's why I'm wearing the hat. So uh, I would probably rather do that for now until the Habs actually make like a decent run, show the fan base that like you know, they're, they're a contender. And then we talk about like doing some, some merch. All right. I love to hear it, man. Well, Jared, it really was a blast chatting with you. Can't wait to, yeah, cool. to spin heirloom when it comes out on October 23rd, best wishes. Hopefully everything clears up and you can get down to the States. So Tom and I can catch a show and, uh, you know, all the best. We'd love it, man. Thank you guys so much for, for taking the time to speaking with me. Really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Yep. Yeah, you too, man. Peace, boys. You too. See ya.
back on the other side, side B. And that <laughs> and that was our interview with uh with Jared from from Dear Youth or Justin Again, or Gerard <laughs> or, or whatever you want to call. G. No, and uh listen, uh Jared, if you're listening, which you might be. You might be listening or you might have gotten mad that I called you the wrong name and just said fuck these guys. And that's okay. Well, it was my fault. So fuck me, not Mikey. But I just am so excited for the future of this band and what they're going to do. Uh, the singles they've put out are just absolutely unbelievable. I really think they're going to be the next, uh, the next big thing in, in the pop punk scene. And, you know, we talked about it in the interview. Montreal just has a kind of a fleeting uh, alternative, you know, scene right now. And, you know, they're one of the biggest things coming out of it. And I think it's going to be, uh, you know, great for, for them. And I think once they have the opportunity to, uh, you know, get over to the States, like we talked about, uh, they're just going to keep booming. And I think they're going to really do great things. One thing I did want to touch upon that we talked about, uh, in the interview was how it's nearly, you know, maybe now, not as much now, but it's has been nearly impossible to get into you know the Bell Center to see a Canadians game, even though they've been you know not the most um, approachable team in terms of being you know the the leaders. Uh, but uh, that kind of begs the question, you know, I wonder if that's like that everywhere else in Canada. You know, I've heard that Toronto is 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 pretty tough to get into you know games over in Toronto, but I wonder if like the West Coast teams. Edmonton, Calgary are, are kind of like that. I don't know if you have any perspective there, if you've ever, you know, I'm I, trying to think. Of I think the comparison is, though, like Toronto is very similar to like MSG, where okay. it is lots of like suits and, and, and ties in the lower bowl, like corporate seats. That oh, OK, will, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, that like okay. kind of, uh, you know, they don't show up when puck drop. They kind of stagger in in their suits and they don't really necessarily care so much about what's on the ice but they mm -hmm. still like sell out every game kind of like msg sells out every game mm -hmm. so yeah i i don't know about ticket prices but like could you imagine paying like 175 dollars to sit in like the last row of an, an arena i i think that's wild i mean or, like a random tuesday night game or something like and, and i just can't me, imagine like hot especially islander fans like i can't yeah, imagine and i know like everyone's like already starting to see like what the ticket prices are going to be in belmont mm -hmm. they're not 175 dollars for the last row in the arena i can no, tell you that much no and they and they couldn't be because you know i like the islanders fan but it base because be, it's a brand new state-of-the-art arena yeah i mean i guess you're right but you know you do have to appeal to the people that you know, you're, you're who's, who seats you're, you're trying to put butts in, you know, kind of deal. And I don't know that Islanders fans would pay that amount of money, but I, I mean, I guess they would, I guess they would. Right. Especially if they, um, you know, end up building, uh, you know, building around Barzy, well, let's say, you know, cause Barzy, but we'll see what happens. But I, I really do think that, um, it's crazy. Just the difference between hockey fandom in places like Montreal versus anywhere else in the, in the, Cause let, let's be honest, in, like country, $175 yeah. is pretty comparable to like what it costs to go to like a Dallas Cowboys game. Yeah. 
Like, like that's true. Like that's a hundred percent true. And, you know, for us, the perspective is, you know, hockey is, is like Canada's premier sport. You know I mean? Like, yeah. And that's, that just like totally eliminates families going to hockey games. Yeah. No, it does. I mean, I'm not taking my 10 year old kid who only wants to get dipping dots and paying (laughs) like $175 for him to come to a game. Not listen. Dippin' dots are great, though. You know, it's the ice cream of the future. That's that's what that's what it is. I think they're overrated. I think dippin' yeah, dots are kind of gross. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, their tagline is the ice cream of the future, and you know, if that's what the future is yeah, like, they've been around for like thirty years, and it's not the ice cream of the future. Sign me up. Ice cream like that. Sign me up for the ice cream of the future. Um, one one last thing I, I do want to touch on before we lead you out is um you know we've been talking a lot about you know free agency and uh you know the uh the, the trades that have been going on um but you know i think that it's so fantastic that we get hockey in just another short couple of months um you know this is unprecedented you know hockey fans are really in a <laughs> in an unbelievable position where we you know don't have to wait five or six months uh, i think that is going to be great for the nhl uh, especially after these playoffs i think these playoffs really in my mind cemented you know the nhl as you know being a, a viable option again i mean it, so many people were tuning in and watching uh, this the series had intrigues uh, galore i mean you know just the conference finals themselves, you know, the story of, 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 you know, Dallas getting through all the powerhouses and Tampa Bay's incredible team. Um, I think the NHL is on an uptick big time. And I, I, would you agree with me? Yeah. I, I really wonder what they're going to do because, you know, don't get me wrong. I haven't watched really much NFL this year, but haven't some teams allowed fans back in, in like limited capacity. Yeah, in a limited capacity, I was watching um, the Cowboys Giants game, and uh, they had some fans in in Cowboys Stadium, um, AT and T Stadium, I should say. Um, but you know, again, the NFL is having problems. I mean, they've already had to postpone, cancel games because of COVID outbreaks, um, which the, you know, but the NHL didn't really have. No, they had zero. They had so zero cases. So, and it's just kind of wild because. But how are you gonna? do that long term like you can't expect these players to move back into a bubble for a full yeah. season now no that's that's true you just can't yeah and you're absolutely right you, you you can't and i think um what it comes down to is i mean who knows maybe maybe it might not be the nhl that does it but maybe you know some organization is going to impose penalties on you know players that are not self-quarantining and players that are not taking it seriously because, you know, sports is entertainment. We get it, you know, but a lot of guys are getting paid a lot of money to, uh, you know, to do what they love to do, which is awesome. But, you know, at the same time, if you're not willing to protect the hundred million that you're making a year, you know, and you know that coming down the line, if you don't quarantine or if you don't try to, be mindful of who you're coming in contact with like you know there's there's sanctions so i don't know i don't know if the nhl is willing to do that i don't think they're gonna you know 
put themselves in a bubble again. And I do think you'll, you know, eventually see something come down the line where it could happen. And I think they'll probably approach it much the way the other sports have where, you know, if, if there's a player that has COVID or something, we just, you know, postpone and do the right things to make sure that we keep everyone safe. I think that's what needs to be done. And you're seeing it in the NFL, you saw it in the MLB. So, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a very interesting season coming up, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun based on what we're seeing with all these free agency and trade moves. I think, uh, the NHL has, um, mixed it up and shaken it up. And I think that's really super cool. Now I, I did see something that, and this is like a rumor. I don't even know what website like put it out, but there was like some lake up in Canada that they were like, NHL is possibly uh, considering playing like the the start of the season, like on this lake, like mis- mystery Alaska style. Whoa, that could be cool as hell. Like that could be cool. Like I've a never... pond, a pond hockey like tournament style start of the season. That would be something else, man. I I I hadn't heard anything about that, but I mean, I would I would absolutely love that. Whatever you can do. To bring a fresh perspective into the NHL, I think is only going to be like going back to the roots of the game. Like, yeah, that's taking like the winter classic to a next level. Oh, absolutely. And and uh, like I said, it's it's I think it's great. Whatever, you know, whatever the NHL is willing to do to make the best out of the situation we're in, because, uh, you know, it's great that the NFL is back. But I, I really feel like the NHL has been, you know, other than uh, the MLB expanding their playoffs, which I think is something that they should do every single year going forward, um, you know, shorten the season, have more teams in the playoffs, um, I think is a great thing for, for baseball. But for hockey, I mean, I think they've really amped it up. And I think they did a lot of great things between social media, between how they were presenting uh, the games, how they were presenting the, just the true grit of um, you know, of what it all means to to raise that cup, I, I think for years to come is going to put the NHL in a great position. I really do. So I hope that uh, you know they do the right thing this you know when the season starts again, and you know keep that intensity going, keep that you know, kind of freshness and all that kind of stuff. I really hope they do. Yeah, because you know I I don't think having like you know twenty five percent capacity in these NHL arenas is doing the game of hockey any justice. No, where like, not. you know, NFL, they can pull that off. Like it's the NFL. Like, yeah, honestly, I, I don't really feel like fans have that much of an impact on football games. Like they do hockey. Mm-hmm. Like I've been to sold out football games and I never get like that much excitement. Like I do when I'm inside a hockey arena. Yeah. And I don't feel like it carries over onto the field as much. Whereas I could in, agree with that. Whereas yeah. in hockey, I feel like having an arena 25% full is just going to, like, it's going to do hockey, like, a disservice. Yes. I so would agree I, with that. I would that. rather the, the, the arena just be fully empty rather than 25% full. Yeah, I mean, again, the presentation that, that they did for these playoffs uh, you know, in, in Toronto and Edmonton was, I I think was fantastic. I really do. I think that, you know, keeping the arenas a little dark, having all of those boards up, you know, all the electronic boards, 
um, you know, the, the camera angles they were able to present and all this cool stuff, I think really made hockey so much more interesting. And the, the thing to boot was that not one game suffered. Like when you watch the playoffs as a whole, you know, us, us watching more intently to, you know, the, the Islanders run, but it's just like, there was still intrigue. There was still so much drama in all of these games, you know, whether it was player to player drama, there were still dirty hits. There were still physicality and all this stuff that normally, you know, the crowd would feed off of, but it was all still there, but everyone fed off of it from their couch or from their armchair. And I think that's something that I, you know, I, maybe I haven't gotten the same feeling from the NFL because it just looks cavernous and vacuous and big and open. And, you know, I just, I don't know. Maybe that's the bias in me you know, being that hockey is, you know, my favorite sport, but I just, I don't get the same feeling that I got out of the NHL playoffs that I do with the, the NFL right now. And I think that is part in, in part due to the presentation and the way the NHL handled it, which I think was, unbelievable yeah well we'll see what happens a lot can change the sure the country can change and you know as jared mentioned like montreal is kind of going backwards with how they're handling covid and like you know shutting down bars again and things like that so you know who who knows what's in the future for us here in the states if we continue being bozos but true the only thing we do know about the future is that there will be a bar down breakdown episode 87 in the future. And that's the only thing that I am positive that I can tell you about, but and I on be that tired note, doing it, but <laughs> yeah, on that note, Mikey, Mikey, Papa Mikey has to go I tend do. to tend to baby, baby Kaylee right now, because uh, she probably has not listened to dear youth enough. And <laughs> Papa Mikey has to yell at her about it. Uh, and he will do that. He will yell right in his child's face and say, "Yo, you're not dear youth. You're a baby. You're a stupid <laughs> baby. You don't listen to dear youth." And that's what we got on the horizon. So, on that note, listen to dear youth. Don't let mean daddy Mikey yell at children all the time. Just do it, so he doesn't have to do it. Uh, but it was such a blast having Jared on with us. Um, heirloom again, out on the 23rd of October through anchor, uh, anchor 84. Um, dude, it's, it's a great record. And I hope that you guys all go and listen to it. We're going to feature it on our, our, you know, our, our playlist, our bar down breakdown playlist through Spotify as we always do. So make sure you go listen to it. If you haven't already, um, they are putting the record out on vinyl. I think they're doing 250 of them. Go buy them, buy them. So I don't have to buy them because I'm going to probably buy them and I shouldn't <laughs> because I got a wedding to save up for, but do the right thing. Support the artists you love, support our podcast. Yeah. Buy our water you. bottles. Oh yeah. Um, buy them came so in. I get mine. Yep. I need to, I need my water bottle. So you all need to buy the rest of them so that I can get mine. So uh, just send if you haven't had the opportunity, you want one $39 free, free shipping. Yeah. If you haven't had the opportunity to, to, to check it out, it is an unbelievably cool, cool bottle. Uh, they did really, really awesome work on it. So, uh, definitely give us a shout, DM us. We'd be happy to sell you one. And, uh, you know, we've got some other cool things in the works too, that, uh, you can, uh, you know, put on your backs and show all your friends and be super cool. And, uh, rep the pod 
to the best of your ability. But that's all coming. We'll talk to you about that later. Right now, we're saying goodbye. Na 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 na. Hey hey hey. Goodbye. All right, Tom. Been real. Peace be with you. And also with you. I'm not too sure, but you're freaking me right out. You got me dreaming of the summertime. With you and a view, not always coming theme to feel alive. Wherever you are now, you're breaking my heart now. You've been living in my head, but you haven't been aware. Wherever you are now, you're breaking my heart now. It doesn't matter what you say, I can't believe you out. Late fall in love, remember when you spilled your wine all over my bed. I feel you there, but it's her instead. It's your bad tattoo in the silhouette. You've got me dreaming of the summertime. With you and a view, not a always common theme to feel alive. there pleased to meet you my name is tom franklin one half of the blue notes podcast and the hockey podcast network we've got that 2019 stanley cup power too sweet to be sour and we're also your home for the best blues analysis yes it's it's a it's a bruin but he's he's gonna help the power play and and that's what people need to understand and you know they're gonna look at it and say oh well justin falk was supposed to help the power play as well Tory Krug is legitimately going to help the power play. Felt like Newport was ready to go into his offseason and use Petrangelo as an example and say, okay, we're going to play chicken here with with uh, with the COVID cap here. Someone 
is going to give Petrangelo his money. We also have great guests from here at home. St. Louis Post-Dispatch, St. Louis Blues beat writer Jim Thomas, the organist for the St. Louis Blues, Jeremy Boyer, and around the world. Yo, Blues fans, it's Gerard, the Dutch Blues fan, all the way from the Netherlands. And no other podcast can say they have a Hawaiian hockey correspondent, but we do. Aloha! I'm Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, and this is my Aloha commentary. Plus, a little self-deprecating humor thrown in there. One of our new Blue Note Selkie-level COVID mask, if I can turn it the right way there so I can properly sell it. I am, I, you know what? I am failing my prices right model audition right here. This is, this is terrible. He has opted for the uh, neck gator uh, version of this, and I'm still failing my prices right audition. Um, <laughs> voted the best podcast by our peers in the hockey podcast network follow tom and wags on facebook twitter and instagram at blue notes pod and be sure to subscribe to blue notes wherever you get your podcasts from this is tom franklin reminding you to not be a chump and always play to the whistle